you'll have some peace in this world. I got plenty of peace. I don't really care anymore. I, I'm, I'm past caring. Uh, I don't need money. I don't need, I mean, I had it, I've had everything. I sit back every now and then and say, Lord, I've had everything that I could possibly ever want in this life. I mean, you could give me the money Donald Trump has or, or Bill Gates has or anyone. I don't need it. I don't need it. Don't want it. Uh, I'm 64 years old. I'm going to be 65. I found out I got to sign up for Medicaid or care. One of the two, or I'm going to get, I'm going to have to pay for it. I mean, something's not right about this picture. You either sign up. It's almost like taking the COVID shot. You have to do it, but at least I don't have to take it inside me. But it's crazy stuff. The world is just going faster and faster and faster and faster to me. And I'm looking at one of these days, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. One of these days I'm going to see him. Shortly, I'm going to see him. And when I get to see him, guess what? If we go out of the rapture, shortly you're going to see him too. Take your Bibles go to Daniel. I was, I've had this message sitting on my desk for about four or five weeks, and I didn't know exactly what to do with it. I don't know if I still know what to do with it. Uh, so I'm just going to get through it is what I'm going to do. Uh, Daniel Daniel's one of my favorite characters. In Romans uh, 1.16, don't go there. I'm just going to read the verse. You don't even have to stand yet. Just stay, you can stay sitting. Uh, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is, is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for letting us come to church. Thank you for the singing. Lord, I, I could go home already. Uh, my cup already runneth over. I'm, I'm perfectly happy, Lord. I'm, uh, Lord, I know that you're there. I know that I could trust you. I know that you're, you're, you got it all in your hands, and you're going you're gonna to make it work the way it's supposed to work. And Lord, I'm just along for the ride. And Lord, uh, I just thank you that every now and then I get to roll the window down like a dog, Lord, and stick my tongue out and stick my head out to the side of the window and just watch what goes by. And Lord, it's just a blessing to be on your side and behind you and to watch what you do. Lord, I pray today that you'd give us something out of your precious holy word. And Lord, that we can go away just a little bit uh, happier than we did. Lord, Thanksgiving's coming up this Thursday. And Lord, it's, it's a holiday, uh, probably one of the only holidays in our country that I really do appreciate. Lord, it's a day that we should give thanks to you, Lord, is really where the thanks should go uh, for what you've done for us uh, as a nation, Lord. Thank you for all your blessings and kindnesses. Thank you just for letting us have a church this morning to be here. And Father, again, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Uh, Daniel, Daniel is sitting here, just as a little precursor before I get into the message. I'm going to be in chapter 6, but Daniel, back in chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Daniel, if you go back there real quick, Daniel... Uh, is about 16 years old, maybe 15, 14, something like that. He's a young man, uh, and he is, is taken captive. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes, and they take away all the Jews. Uh, and he's taken captive in verse 1. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, uh, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, into his hand with part of, of the vessels of the house of God, uh, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the the house of his God, and he brought the vessels unto the treasure house of his God, Nebuchadnezzar's place in Babylon. And the king spake unto uh, Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children whom was no blemish, being well, uh, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and in knowledge and understanding science, and such as has the ability in them to stand in the king's palace. Boy, I tell you what, Daniel was one of these. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was, was the other three. 
And he picked these four kids out and said, hey, I want you guys, these guys right here, they look like they can handle it. You know what you ought to do? You ought to learn as much as you could possibly learn. Uh, you ought to read as much as, I hate reading. I, I hate to admit that, but Andrew always puts me to shame. I mean, he loves reading. Uh, he got everything. If I had any reading blood in me at all, he got it all. Uh, I don't know why. I, it's, it's, I think I have ADHD, PCTRQ, whatever it is. Uh, and I just, I'm just too impatient to you, you slow down. Uh, I always have to be doing something. Maybe I need drugs. I have no idea. Uh, but whatever it is, I cannot slow down long enough to sit and read something. I have to force myself to do it. Andrew can sit there and go, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and then throw that book offside and get another one. I, well, I hope that he's still that way. I, I was never that way. But that's what, that's what the Lord is looking for. The king here is looking for somebody who can stand in the presence. You know, to stand in the presence of a king, uh, you need to know, first of all, that that's the king. And you need to have some wisdom about yourself to realize that you're not the king, and he is. And kings can usually cut your head off and stuff of that nature. I like David over there. The guy came and said, Saul's dead. And here's the crown, and I've done all this stuff for you. And, and he goes, how do you know the king is dead? He goes, because uh, blah, blah. And he goes, okay. And then he kills him. Kings just have that way about them, man. If you, do, if you upset them, the, the butler and the baker and, and the Pharaoh, the, they came up and he killed one and the other one was there two years later. I mean, they just, at a whim, they say, hey, snuff this guy out and you're snuffed. You know what you need to do? You need to, he's looking for some people who can actually stand there before a king. Why? They've already had the ability to stand before the king in Jerusalem. Let's get these guys and they can stand here and then we can teach them what we need them to know. We want to work this thing out so that Israel becomes part of the Babylonian empire and we can make money on them. That's really what he wants to do. And to do that, I got to have these people slide in and I've got to use them. And uh, the Lord says, guess what, Daniel, I got a job for you. In about 68 years, I got a job for you. Will you? And he didn't even say, will you do it? Are you ready? No, he says, do it. You know what Daniel did? Daniel said, I'm going to serve God. Daniel never let. He, first he got captive. He was taken captive. Then he was capable. Verse 4, go down to verse 4. It says, he was capable to stand there. It wasn't that he was chosen and then made capable. He was capable to do it. Uh, a lot of times people say, well, I wish I could. Well, if you were capable of doing that, you would, it would be in you to do. If God puts something in you, well, you know what you need to stop and say, wait, what's the Lord want me to do? I mentioned in Sunday school class, uh, you, have, you have Daniel here on one side, and then you got Lazarus, the beggar, with the sores all over his body at the rich man's gate, and you got everybody like in between. And guess what? You're somewhere in between those two people in your, in your place with the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm a little closer to Lazarus down here and the dogs look at my wounds, but, but that's where I feel like I'm at sometimes. But somewhere in this, in this myriad of, of, of space here, we all fit in that thing. And, and what we need to do is find out exactly where we fit in there, where the Lord wants us to stand. And just stand there. That's all he really asks you to do. He's not asking me to be something great, if that's what he wants me to do. <coughs> he can make me great. I, that's no problem for him. He, he ain't got a whole lot of time left. He better hurry up. But if he wanted to, he could. He got, but you know, I was sitting here reading in Romans and I come across it and said, I, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. One thing I know about Daniel, the title of this message is the gospel according to Daniel. Daniel was never ashamed of God to the point it would cost him. If, it, if that's what it took, it would cost him. He was not going to put God second in his life. Never, ever, ever, never. 
God was number one in his life, his whole life. There's the record. You're reading the record right now. Now, I'm going to read something that happened to him 68 years later. And we use it as a little kitty thing, and we teach it in our little kitty. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, are not something you kids play with. I don't know about you, but you know, a polar bear looks so cool, man. You ever seen a white, I mean, a white polar bear? They look just, they just look like you just go pet them as they're biting your arm off. They, they say a polar bear in, in Alaska or wherever they're at, polar areas, they follow you. They track you. You think you're tracking them, they're tracking you. And when they find you, they eat you. You just look like lunch to them. Daniel was sitting here. Number one, he was captive. Number two, he was capable. And he never complained. He never complained. He just did what was there, man. You know what you do? You wake up in the morning, you do what you're supposed to do. He got convicted. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed it in his heart. It's amazing how these, this first one just all turned out to seize. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king meeting. He said, look, I can't do this. I can't. <clears throat> I've never done it before to this point. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> if I have to die, I die. I'm just not going to do it. So he graciously goes to the eunuch, King uh, Chamberlain, and says, hey, you know, uh, we've never done this before, and I really don't want to do it now. I'm telling you what, we can be the best that we could possibly be if you just let us, let us do this thing. The Chamberlain says, look, man, I know what the king will do. If I go up there and something go, happens to you guys, he's going to snuff me out. I said, I watch him snuff a lot of people out. And I don't want to be one that gets taken out because of what you guys do. No, 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 trust me. Give me 10 days. The guy said, okay, that's reasonable. We'll do that. He gave him 10 days. He convinced him, verse 15. And at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the, the king's meat. He said, what's all, that, what's all that matter? What matters is David purposed in his heart, Daniel purpose in his heart that I'm not going to sin against God, and I feel like this is a sin if I do this. Now, personally, I'll eat a Big Mac, and I don't really care. I'll eat a Whopper, and don't really care. You may have a conviction about that. If you do, I'll eat your Whopper and your Big Mac. Don't worry. We won't let it go to waste. Uh, but if you have a conviction about that, you should. And guess what? If I'm with you, and you say that you have a conviction about a Whopper, I will go put you out somewhere, and I'll go eat my Whopper. But I won't let you see it, because I don't want you to get offended. Or I'll eat it on the way home. But I'll do something. I will get my Whopper eventually. I'll tell you that that much. But I will not eat it in front of you to make you feel like you're sinning and you're watching, you're sinning and watching me eat it. But, you know, some people, and, and I'm not saying eating Whoppers right. Don't get me wrong. Or a Big Mac. But I'm just telling you, some people in their hearts, they know what they're supposed to do. Daniel was one of those that did it. When he felt like what he had to do needed to be done, he did it. And the cost did not matter. Because he was doing it for God. There's the key. There's the key. Daniel always did it for God. So Daniel goes on. He's convicted. Then he convinces them that that's true. Go down to verse 21. And Daniel continued even under the first reign of King Cyrus. Daniel was there the whole time that, that that thing was going on. The whole time they were in captivity, Daniel was there. You know what Daniel always did? Right. You know what, brethren, sometimes we, we think we can't do right. And you can do right. Here's a perfect example of that. You can do right if you want to do right. You can do it. It's easy to do. All you got to do is say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do right. You say, what's doing right? Well, you know, I learned back in 1980 when I first got saved, doing right is getting up in the morning and, and doing what you're supposed to do all day long. <clears throat> and then as time goes on, 
you find out that doing right is, is quitting this and then quitting that or adding this into your Bible or adding this into your life and, and getting that out of your life. And, and really people say, oh, I've had people preachers come and say, oh, Mike, you don't have to take all that out of your life. Well, then don't. But don't tell me what to do. I feel like this is what God wants me to do. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. I don't care if anybody else does it or not. I, if I make you feel bad sometimes, sorry, don't care. Because I'm still going to do what I want to do. I've been doing it for 64 years. I'm having a really good time doing what I want to do. And one of these days, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to die. I can't choose the time. I know I can't. But one of these days, I really want to go see him. I don't know about you, but I really want to go see him. I've been wanting to see him for 42 years. I've read about him and read about him and I read other stories about other guys. I've got to see him do stuff in my life that I've just never, I, there's no way I can give anybody the credit but him. I sit back here this morning, little girls up here singing. I told all those girls, guys in here, I'm going to tell you something. You see these girls up here? I'm going to give you a hint. I've done told them all. If you won't open the door for them, I told them not even to look at you. You're scum. <laughs> Ask them. Did I not say that? Look at my lawyer again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her, I opened the door. I see a young lady walking back to that door. I go open the door for them. You're scum if you don't. That's how valuable they are. You say, why would you do that? Because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> my wife won't even let me. She comes up the door, she stands there. I'm nowhere of him around. She still stands there. What are you waiting on? I'm waiting on Mike coming to open the door for me. I don't think she'll, unless I'm on the couch asleep and she can't get a hold of me, she don't come in the house. <laughs> she stays out of the car. <coughs> I'm joking, she I'm not that bad. But I'm telling you what, I think, I think a man ought to be a man, a lady ought to be a lady, and we do different things, and I got that, man. But I'm telling you, there's just some things that you, in your heart, you know what to do, and you're supposed to do them no matter what anybody says. I had a preacher, I had a preacher say, oh, Mike, you're, you've, you've done everything right. No, I haven't, man, because me and the Lord still got some issues going on. Until me and him straighten this out, I don't care what anybody says. It's between me and him. I want it right there. I don't want it. Now, I'll take input. But I tell you what, when it comes down to making a decision, I'm never going to blame nobody for anything I've ever done. What I did was what I wanted to do, and I'll answer for exactly what I did. And I'm, just, I'm cautious, though, man. You come around me, I'm cautious. You might not think I am. I'm really cautious. But he says, I am not ashamed. Daniel was never ashamed of Jesus Christ. And he didn't even know him, but he knew God. Daniel knew some things. One of them was God. He had four friends, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He loved them. That was their names. It was Hananiah, uh, Hananiah Mishael, and Azariah. Those were his four friends, and those four guys hung out together, and they did stuff together. Daniel knew that he had to hang around with the right people. You say, what does all that matter? Well, in chapter 2, real quick, chapter 2, Daniel is sitting there, and, and all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And he goes, I forgot my dream. Well, how did you know he had a dream if you got it? Well, it just troubled me. Well, what kind of dream was it? All the, all the people that's supposed to be religious. Well, well, what was the dream? I don't know, but if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you. He goes, well, we can't tell you because only God can do that. <laughs> but who do you represent? Oh, well, no, but not that. Well, our God isn't like that, Deb. <laughs> I mean, we, you're supposed to tell us that we can lie. I mean, we can tell you what we think it is. <laughs> he said, no, man, no, you can't do that. If you can't tell me what my dream is and then tell me what the interpretation is, I'm going to kill all of you, man. Everybody. That's, that's, you, don't, you, know, you know why he chose Daniel. Because Daniel said, whoa, 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 
Hey, King, let me ask you a question. I'm the guy who like can stand before you. You know, you, you chose me to stand before you. He goes, why is it so fast you're trying to do this? He goes, because I had this dream and it's just, I'm just having a bad day and I'm just going to kill everybody. And he, and he even told Nebuchadnezzar, told the other guys, I ain't giving you no time. I know what you're doing. You're trying to, you're trying to stall for time. I ain't going to give you no time. I'm going to kill you, your wife, your dog, and your cat. Daniel comes up and says, hey, will you give me some time? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll give you some time. <laughs> How much you need? A week or two? Fine. Daniel goes, starts praying, gets his buddies together. They start praying. He comes back and says, got it. And he tells them what it is. You know what that did? He, he said, Neb, you had this dream. And it was a golden, it was a statue. Head of gold and shoulders of silver and chest of brass and legs of iron and, and feet of partly iron and clay. And, and then he starts telling him what it is. He goes, yeah, that's it. That's it, man. He goes, how did you know that? He goes, because I asked God. He told me. The Lord told me. And he goes, uh, and this is what it is. Demetrius said, okay, you're it, man. You're in. You know, for 68 years, that was Daniel. And in the face of trials and tribulations, it never got him in the face of COVID-19 come up. King... I, it's okay, man. We'll be all right. We'll get through it. But everybody's got to take the vaccination and the boosters and this and that and this. And you can't talk about Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're going to make the next uh, treasury guy a homosexual. Hey, it's still wrong. Amen. I, am not, I am not ever going back on that, man. It's wrong. I don't care if it's broadcast out. I don't care if they come in and take me to jail. I don't care. It's wrong. Why? I got a Bible. I know what God says. Do I care for him? Sure, man. Get saved. Get out of your wickedness and trust Jesus Christ. You'll be okay. The gospel, I like this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. You know where we miss this thing? Is we try everything, but what God says is the power. The power is the gospel that we preach. Our gospel is Jesus Christ. There's where the power rides. It's not riding anything else. I could care less what you do. Jesus might care. But I'll tell you what, you know what I've learned a long time ago? People do weird stuff. And sometimes their weird stuff is okay. Just because it's weird to me don't mean it's weird. Well, it's to me, but it's maybe not to you. I don't really care, man. I'm getting to the point where I do care if it affects my walk with Jesus Christ. And I do care if it affects this church. And I care if it affects my friends and my country and my wallet. <laughs> <coughs> Daniel starts telling the dream and the king, it just, it just tears him up. You know what? 68 years later after chapter one, there's a bunch of guys trying to kill him. And if it wasn't for Daniel over the, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over those 68 years, they would have already been dead. And how soon we forget what God does for us and what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us and how much power. When I look at that, I said, people say, well, how did you get to where you're at? I'm like, I just got saved on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. That's all I can say. I mean, I've been along for a ride for like 42 years, and, and it, it is just crazy. I mean, it's just a crazy place, man. I mean, I could do whatever I want. I tell the Lord this is what I want, and he gets it for me, and it happens, and, and I'm sitting there, and this, is, this messes up, and he straightens it out, and, and I laugh all the way through all my days. And a lot of my days, I laugh through my days, man. You, I had people come and tell me what I should do. I, no, you can't tell me what to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to read my Bible and pray, and that's it. And if you guys can't get a hold of Jesus Christ, you got a problem. You know what my problem, my job is to tell you, you need to get a hold of Jesus Christ. He will help you, man. I'm telling you what, I'm sitting there going, when I die and you got to survive, how are you going to walk if I'm dead? If your whole life revolves around me being part of your life, 
How are you going to survive when I die? I don't have no, I don't revolve around nobody. Nobody revolves around my life. Jesus Christ revolves. That's it. And that's how I get through my days. Maybe I'm just, I'm, I tell everybody I'm an I'm a, uh, uh, introvert. And they say, you can't be an introvert. I say, yeah, I'm an introvert. I'm an extra introvert. I've, I struggle to throw myself out of the introverted thing uh, because I know I have to. But I sit here and watch Daniel. Daniel. Daniel sits there and he does just, he just does. He just is there. And all, everybody out there is trying to get elevated to all these different positions in life. And Daniel just three times a day, he goes and gets down on his knees and he prays and he thanks God and he just prays and he says, oh God, uh, I don't know what all this stuff is going on. I really don't have no idea what's going on, but boy, I sure glad I'm alive today. And today I got to stand before the king and boy, thank you for that dream he gave me. Man, I would have never thought in a million years about that thing. I said, how in the world did, what in the world, where did that come from anyways? I'm like, you, but you just showed me the future, Lord. I said, what is up with that? I said, I see it all. I won't even be here when that stuff happens, but, but you got me right here at the golden point. And you put me in a place where I was right under the king. And Lord, he was frustrated today, and I got to go and t calm him down. And, and Lord, uh, my friends are still alive, and I can still pray today. Thank you for that. And he gets up, man, he goes and starts doing his job again. Then he comes back a new time. He says, oh, God, I'm sure glad you let me pray again today. Man, I got through the morning. I hadn't got my head cut off yet. King's still happy with me. He's not mad too much. He yells a little bit, a couple of bad I calm him down, calm him down. But thank you for that, and thank you for my brothers. Lord, I just pray for our people. Lord, you help us. <coughs> Somewhere down the road there, Esther Esther and Mordecai are having issues, man, and all that stuff is happening all over the place, everywhere, and God just sitting there working all that stuff out, and, and men and women are still praying and still doing the right thing, and Mordecai is still doing it. And, and you sit there and read all that stuff, and you say, Lord, what is that? That's pictures. That's pictures of life that we're living in. We're living in the same thing. It's all pictures. Here's, here's David, Daniel. Daniel's sitting there, and he gives him the thing, and then he gets down to verse uh, four, four, three, actually, Goes into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel's off to the side, and, and they get ready to get thrown in the fiery furnace, and they say, hey, king, throw me in, man. I, we're not going to bend or bow. We're not going to burn either, but they didn't know they weren't going to burn. They say, hey, we, if we do die, we die. If we don't, we don't. He can deliver us if he wants to. If he doesn't, that's fine, too. We're going to serve God. That's it. And we're not going to bow down to your stupid idol, no matter what you do. I don't care if it is gold and worth $100 billion trillion. I'm not going to bow down to that thing, and you can't make me. Now, brother, there's a, there's a key to this whole thing, and it's to glorify Jesus Christ. And somehow we got to get in our hearts that that's what we want to do. I mean, because the decisions you got to make, the only way you can make those kind of decisions is that you have to have a single heart and a single mind and say, when it comes right down to it, this is what I'm going to do. Now, you say, do you do that every morning? No, I'm not faced with those decisions every morning. But I've got about five or six of those in my life that were key that I can name them off, that I did just that, and it could have cost me my life, and I did it because I knew that it was between him and them, and one of them is going to kill me, and I'd rather him kill me because he can bring me back to life. They can't. <laughs> so I'm going to trust him. And I watched the thing come out right. I'm sitting there going, how did that happen? <laughs> you learn how to trust him. You know where I learned that? Right there. Reading this book, man. I'm like, they did it. If they can do it, why can't I? If they did it, if they can do it, why can't I? Surely he's not going to do the same thing. He's not going to throw me in a fiery furnace and, and be in there to get me out. He don't need to do that to me. 
Daniel comes back in in chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar has another problem. He <laughs> said, man, I had this dream. I remember this one. There's a big tree, big old monster tree. And all the birds of the sky came under the wings and all this other stuff. And then somebody come along and cut it down. And Daniel got the immediate uh, instant interpretation in verse 19, chapter 4, verse 19. You see Daniel's relationship with the king. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him. He already knew, he knew what it was. Daniel had come down the road so far with the king that he's, he's been there for about 30 years now. I think uh, 30, if, if Usher's right, uh, he's been there probably about 30, 36 years. Uh, and, and he's grown to love the king. Well, he's, I'm captain. Well, that's what the Lord wanted. To be mad at the king, I'd have to be mad at God. So I'm not going to get mad at God. I'm just going to love the king, man. I'm going to help the king. And if the Lord wants to get me out of here, he'll get me out of here one day. It says, Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the, the dream be to them that hate thee. He says, I already know what it is. <laughs> they're going to take you out is what they're going to do. He said, they don't understand what they have. They don't understand what kind of king you are, but then you don't understand who you serve. <laughs> There's the problem, Neb. You're going to find out. It's going to take you seven years, but you're going to find out. You're going to eat grass, man. I don't think he said it quite like that. That's what's going to happen. Now, they had trouble that tore Daniel's heart up. Here's a man he's been under for 36 years who's taken care of. He's walked in when the guy was ready to kill everybody. And Daniel was ready, able to calm him down through the Lord. The Lord gave him the ability to do it. King made him, I mean, wanted to make him everything. And everybody around him, you know, I bet you everybody around him just hated his guts. They always hate the guy who does everything. And they don't understand how he does it. <laughs> they just hate him because he does it. And they never equate the gods into this equation somewhere working everything behind the scenes. They don't ever get that. And they can have the same thing if they got behind him and got behind God. But God has a plan. He only needs one Daniel. He only needs one Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He only needed really one Moses. Um, Aaron thought he could do it. Miriam thought they could do it, but you can't. He only needs the one. Uh, he only needs one David. He only needs one Adam, one Eve. That's all he needed. Uh, he, needs a, he only needs one Noah. But he needed three boys to help his daddy build an ark. Sometimes we're there just to help. That's all we're there for. There's nothing wrong with that. If you ever get to this place in your heart that that's what I'm there for, you know, you get some happiness in your life, some joy. I'm perfectly happy being absolutely nothing. You say, what is it? There's plenty of stuff to do, nothing. I don't see how they can say nothing. If you ever stop doing everything, you'll find there's so much stuff to do, you ain't got time to do it. I don't have time to do what I'm supposed to do as nothing. I had a friend call me the other day and I said, look, I'm quit. I'm selling everything I got, man. I'm getting rid of everything, getting rid of all. So I can get down to where I can just be here at the church. This is all I want to do till I die. You say, why? Because this is just all I want to do. I really have no other desire for nothing else. I've done shot everything out there, man. I don't want it no more. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Why? Because it's of no value to me. I want to be there when he says, hey, you get the opportunity. I could have had a different message. The opportunity to serve. Daniel's opportunity. Daniel's golden opportunity. Took him 68 years to get there. And if he was 14 years old, he was 84 years old by the time he got to the place to get that opportunity. Sure enough, it happened. The king got dethroned. They put him out. He, for seven years, he ate grass. 
at the end of the seven years, he got his mind back. He walked again. Man, sometimes you got to watch it say. Verse 37, 437 says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, praise and install and honor the king of heaven and all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. And Daniel goes off in the background. King gets back on the throne. He turns it over to Belteshazzar, chapter 5. The message is real short, by the way. Belteshazzar gets the throne. And, and all of a sudden, he lets his buddies try to talk him into what to do. The worst thing you can ever do is have a bunch of ungodly friends tell you what to do. Uh, Belteshazzar did something that he shouldn't have done. He went and got all the golden vessels that they brought from Israel, which was a bad thing to do. Bring them in, fill them with wine, and start praising the, the gods of gold and silver. And his hand just comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, it starts writing on the wall. And nobody can read what it said. And somebody says, hey, wait a second. <coughs> I don't know what that says, but man, somebody's got to be able to read that. That's pretty impressive, man. I mean, just hand out of nowhere, do that. They said, hey, there's a guy in the kingdom that can do that. Daniel. Then Daniel, verse 17, answered and, and said before the king, let that gifts, keep your gifts. I don't want them. If, if, if a man has to do something for God for money, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Daniel never had to do anything for money. He never did. He didn't care. So he said, forget it, man. Don't need the money. Keep it. Uh, then Daniel answered and said before, uh, said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself and, and give thy rewards to another, and I will read the writing unto the king. And then he starts going on and, and starts talking about it. He says, hey, you were under your dad. And you watched what happened to your dad. You've seen, you've seen him get taken down and eaten grass for seven years. You've seen that. And you still didn't do nothing with God. He goes, you're getting ready to lose it all because of what you did. Brethren, you are inexcusable. You're inexcusable to not respond to God the right way. You cannot blame anybody but yourself. Daniel, you can't blame Daniel. Daniel's just a good guy. He's a dare to be a Daniel. He's just a good guy. But he always followed God, and he never, never shunned to tell you the truth. You ask, and you're going to get it. Because he's going to tell you just what God said, the best he can. And pretty much he had it right down. That's why God trusted him so much. He told Belteshazzar, he said, verse 25, he says, Many, many tickle you farson. This is the interpretation of the, of the thing, many. God, he, Daniel never even had to leave the room. He's now at a place with the Lord that he don't have to go back and pray anymore. He don't have to go sit and spend some time and say, well, give me some time so I can get. No, no, Daniel was already, after so many years, man, we're already up to uh, uh, 538. We're at, we're at 68 years in captivity with him. And he's sitting there going, I already know what that means. You've been there, done it, God. I said, that's a, that's a foreign language, that's a God language right there. He goes, many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Why? Because you didn't do what your daddy did. You didn't learn from your daddy. Brethren, sometimes you don't have to learn from God personally. There's other people in your life that are, live and give a testimony that you can listen to. It's important. Many, many, God hath numbered and, and finished the kingdom. Tickled, thou art weighed in the balances. You're going to be weighed one day. Be sure your sin will find you out. You're going to be weighed. And sometimes the Lord does it down here. He goes, Tickled, thou art weighed in the balances and are, want founding, or want, are found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Uh, 
Then Camel, you know, Belteshazzar still had some character because he still made Daniel third in the kingdom. Then turn your page and we're over in chapters six. Daniel's now about 84 years old and it pleased Darius. Darius goes, if there's one thing I don't know, Belteshazzar didn't do too hot. Nebuchadnezzar opened his trap and got in trouble. And, and this guy, Daniel, has been all through all that stuff. And he gave wise counsel every single time. And he could tell you what was getting ready to happen before it happened. And I think I like him and I want him on my side. I said, that's what I want. Now, Darius, Darius is a pagan. I mean, he's... He, He's a man that is sitting out here somewhere that is, is a king over a, a realm that is just a little bit of everything. And he says right here in verse 1, he says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. He says, I want Daniel right at the top of this thing. I want him to be in charge. Uh, those other 120 didn't like that too well. Daniel, after that many years... If there's one thing those people knew, that Daniel loved God. Daniel didn't write Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of, of Christ. He says, I'm not. But Daniel knew God, for it is the power. But, but he says in Romans 1.17, Paul says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk wrote that same passage, and that's what Paul is quoting, but Habakkuk said the just shall live by his faith. <laughs> then you get into the New Testament. Paul removes the his out of there and says, that's what the Holy Spirit told him to write. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Jesus Christ. Not in me no more. You know what Daniel was doing back there? Daniel had a relationship with God and it was his faith toward God and that's what he was living on. That's all he had. I'm in the New Testament, man. The just shall live by faith. You know what I got is Jesus you know, when you're starting to read about Daniel right here, you're getting the perfect type of Jesus Christ. You couldn't miss it through this passage. The, you're talking about the gospel according to Daniel. This is it right here. Daniel was preferred. You know, Jesus Christ is preferred. <laughs> I don't know about you, but boy, you listen to all those songs. I, I, was, I was looking a couple of songs, man. I got them. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth a royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. That's what he is. You know, Darius said, I want Daniel to raise him because he's a pitcher. What the Lord says, Daniel, you served me for 68 years. And now it's time that I get to do what I want you to do. He said, I want you to look like me. He said, this once in, in your life, I really want you to look just like me. He goes, because down the road somewhere, I'm going to come into the world. And I need a picture in the Old Testament, like Habakkuk said, the just shall live by his faith. But I need the, my picture to come through this thing in the Old Testament. So then when they get to the New Testament, they'll sit here and say, the just shall live by faith. Old Testament faith and New Testament faith. And I can pull both those up and say, here they are. Daniel has already revealed, or already showed, already already uh, exposed himself to everybody for the last 68 years. They all know who he is. They all know what he does. They, all, they know that they can't hold a candle him. And for some reason, they think they could take him out. And they still don't realize it's not Daniel you're fighting with. It's the God behind Daniel. Daniel knew that God. Jesus Christ said, John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say he except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die. It abides alone. You know what Daniel had to do? 
was get into a place where he died or appeared to die. I got to set a scenario up here. The Lord says, man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we got them off the side. But Daniel has got to get into a place where I can make him look just like me. He said, the lion's den. He said, that's a cool place to go. <laughs> the Lord likes cats. The lion of the tribe of Judah. I have to repent on that. I'll probably get to heaven and have to repent on that. I just can't stand cats. I just can't. But great big ones, I can't stand a whole lot more than little ones. Great big ones, man. I mean, them guys, just they just eat you, man. I mean, I, I watched some of those documentaries about them big cats, man. Them, cat, them guys, just, they just look at you like lunch. And like, you aren't going to stop them anyways. We're going to eat you. And the guys send the, the male cats and the lady cats out to get all the food. Then they run them off and eat the food. I mean, it's male chauvinist cats, man. I mean, it's, what do you do with them? But he says, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Daniel, Daniel is sitting there and it says, it pleased. He was preferred. Why? Because there was an excellent spirit found in him. After 68 years, this thing was honed down to where everybody knew who Daniel was. And they knew all about him. And it, it just reflected off him. The Lord had worked in Daniel's life for, for 68 years, all the way up, up to the time he was 14, 15, 16 years old, was working there too. But definitely in, in, the, in the Babylonian Empire, used him for 68 years to get him to this part right here. Then Daniel, verse 3, was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was found in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Those 120 guys started looking at him. Jesus Christ, when he came, 2,000 years ago, was born a little baby in a manger. 12 years old, he was in, in a, a room full of lawyers and doctors and just confounding them. By the time he was 30 years old and his ministry started, he was just blowing everybody out of the water, healing people left and right, bringing them back from the dead, turning water into wine, doing all the stuff, calming the seas. I mean, can you imagine? I've been out there, man, with them waves 8, 10, 12, 14 foot high, ship doing this stuff all over the place, and you're talking about a ship six, 700 feet doing this. I mean, I like ships. I don't know if y'all know it's in the Navy or not. It's cool, man. I mean, they're manly. They're just manly. Uh, uh, I liked them. Now, ladies, don't get mad. I liked them until they put women in the Navy on ships. I got out of the Navy. Why? Because men belong on ships, and ships belong at sea, and your wife didn't come in your sea bag. Now, that's an old male chauvinist pig sailor thing, but it still worked. It worked for me. I didn't have to. There's enough problems on ships out in the middle of the ocean without adding another problem into the problems you already have. I was all for them. I was all for giving the ladies a ship them out. Give them their own ship, man. You could paint that sucker pink. I don't care. <laughs> Let them run it. If they can run it and do better than a man on a ship, that's fine. I don't. But don't put them together. Things just don't work right when you do that, uh, especially when you're out in the middle of the ocean. It don't work. He wanted to set him over the whole realm. It must be examined. Six four. It says, then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel. You know, they couldn't find a single thing wrong with Daniel. That is pretty impressive. 68 years of service to the king. 68 years, and they couldn't find one thing. Not one. Not one. Well, he did tell the king about that statue thing back there, man. Well, we should all be dead, too, but let's forget about that. Yeah, and he told him about the tree thing, too, and our plot against the king there, too. But the king did that to himself, though. He was, he was bragging about himself, so he lost it there. But he did tell him he's coming back, and he did. But they, never, they just blew all that out of the water and said, let's get rid of him. We don't, want, we don't want God's people ahead of us. Brethren, you're in a world right now 
where they want you to stop talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most important, the power, the power isn't how much you can defend what you think you know. The power already resides in the gospel. I don't have to add anything to it, plus or minus nothing. You know what, you know what people generally need to hear? The gospel. They need to hear that Jesus Christ died for them, shed his blood at Calvary, and rose again the third day, and can save their soul and get them into heaven. The rest of it's icing on the cake. I like all the rest of that stuff. I like reading about Daniel's. I like his seven. Here's a guy who finally figures out that Jeremiah, he's been reading Jeremiah for his whole life, and now he just, at the end of his life, he realizes, whoa, Jeremiah's talking about us getting out of here. That doesn't happen until after this. Daniel is sitting there, and in verse 4, they, they, sit, they try to get him, and in verse 5 it says, Then said the man, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They knew enough about God and what Daniel was reading that they knew that he is, he is squeaky clean. They can't touch him. Man, he does I mean, everything right. All the books are in order. I mean, the guy takes care of everything. Down to the penny, man. He's like Jerry, man, with finances. I want this. It's Sandy. Oh, where's the receipt? Got to have the receipt. You can't sleep without the receipt. Then he, she turns my wife against me. My wife comes, Sandy needs all those receipts. I'm like, are you my wife? Are you, are you her like, like cahoots together or something, man? I mean, y'all in, in league together against me? What is this? Then I have to be the man. I ain't going to do it now. I'll do it when I get ready to do it. And Bethel, then she'll go do it. And turn me into Sandy and probably tell her I did it, which is lying. But, but we do it. I mean, it's, Daniel was just that way. Daniel was very, very particular in everything he did. He did it for the king. He did it for the king. The seed has to be real. Daniel, you know, when you get to a place like that, all of a sudden Daniel wasn't, wasn't uh, oblivious to this. He knew what was going to happen. It says, verse 10 says, now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, they took a letter to the king and said, oh, king. And here's Darius. Darius didn't think nothing about it. I mean, just, he was suckered. He had 120 men come to him and said, hey, king, we want you to be glorified and we want to write this thing up. So if anybody asks anything of anybody, they knew Daniel was praying three times a day. Anything of anybody other than you for 30 days, you throw them in the lion's den. And the law of the kings, the Medes and the Persians, was that once it's signed by the king, it cannot be refuted. It cannot be done away with. It cannot. They're, the king can't even do anything about it. King signed it, never thought nothing about it. That's a good thing, man. I mean, they're going to praise me for 30 days. <laughs> Everybody's going to ask me, man. He never thought about all the different questions he's going to have for 30 days. Uh, he should have just said, no, 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 I'll get asked enough stuff already. Uh, let's put Daniel in that position. No, no, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, they come and catch Daniel, verse 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house, and his windows being open, he didn't try to hide nothing, being open in his chambers toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four time. Daniel never changed. 68 years never changed. Daniel knew what he had to do. He did it for God. He didn't do it for nobody else. He did it for God. He's already 84 years old, 80, 82, 83, 84, something like that. His, his time's up shortly anyway, so he doesn't really care. If they kill me, they kill me. I go on into heaven. I'll be with the Lord. I'll go down Abraham's bosom. I'll be done with this thing. And I, he says, but I'm going to stick the thing out. Uh, you know what, what the Lord is looking for today is somebody who would do just like that. 68 years later, before he ever used Daniel to do this, Daniel lived a life like that. Young people, you know what the most important thing y'all could ever do? is serve God with all your heart and never change. 
And believe me, in time, what, what this world lets you think you're going to miss, you will miss nothing. I'm telling you from experience, after 64 years, I have missed nothing. I have gained more, and I know where I'm going. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know where my soul sits after it leaves his body. It's going to be in his presence. I don't have a doubt about that. You say, well, how can you prove that? Because he showed me that after 64 years. I know exactly where I'm headed. I know exactly. And what I got out there, there's nothing down here that you could possibly give me that would be worth losing what I would have out there. Because out there is for eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And if I can get somebody in, if I can just tell them the gospel, and they, the, you know, really, I've watched, I've watched over the years, man, I, I mean, I've had phone call, phone call, phone call, phone call. I've had hundreds, not hundreds of them, but I have a lot of them. And people call me and say, Mike, thank you. For what? For telling me about Jesus on the ships. I'm like, what? You told me. Yeah, but I just told you, and that was the last time I ever seen you. <laughs> he goes, but it stuck. And this time, I'm Dave Jolly, man. I wish y'all, I could get that phone call. I wish I had a copy of that thing. Dave and me fall like cats and dogs. And when he called me back, I mean, and he told me he got saved, I about come unglued. And I, I don't know where Dave is today. I have no idea where Dave is today, but I know he's saved. And he was thanking me that I stood firm on a ship and let him know about Jesus Christ. That's what he was happy about. You know, in eternity, me and Dave's going to be running through the streets of gold up there somewhere. And he may shoot off at a Y somewhere, and I may shoot off at a Y over here. But we're going to run across each other, and I'm going to get to see him. And I'm going to get to see the people who had influence in my, my life or me getting saved. And I'm telling you what, brethren, there's, there's something greater on this planet than anything this world could give you, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've heard people say, hey, man, I go to this church, and all he ever does is preach about the gospel. You got a problem with that? I have no problem with that. I got a Bible. If I want all the other stuff filling the blanks, I can fill it in easy. I like to hear about Jesus. Tell me the old, old story. I like to hear about him from time to time. I like to know that he's still there and that he's still in the background watching me. Daniel knew that. These guys went to the king. Oh, man. Long story short, they go to the king. So, said, oh, king, guess what? You know that guy you put over everybody, that Daniel guy? And the king goes, ooh. <clears throat> mm, let's stop here. No, 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 let's not stop here. We got you right where we want you, king. Daniel's been praying three times, and you wrote a law, and the king says, oh, that's right. And the king starts realizing that he blew it. He choked. He says, I choked. Daniel, the king, verse 14 says, and then when the king heard these words, he was sort of pleased with himself. He knew that he was the fault. He said, I never thought, I never thought, I never thought. I messed up, God, I messed up. And, and the king goes right to God. He throws Daniel in the lion's den, and in verse 16 down here it says, Thy God whom thou servest continually, Daniel, he'll deliver thee. He'll get you down there. He'll get you hope. You know what the king was showing there was hope. Daniel's not dead yet. Daniel's still alive. He's hoping. He goes, man. He was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in that fiery furnace, man, and the Lord was in there with him. The, the, son of, the Son of God was in that thing with him. And they came out. They didn't even smell like they were burned. They didn't smell nothing. Uh, Daniel, Daniel gave, us a, gave my dad this, gave my father-in-law this, or gave my grandpa that, and gave this, this, this. And he got this and built a Shazar, man. He, he told him he messed up. He messed up. And, he, and the writing was on the wall. And Daniel read the stuff right to him, and it happened just like he said. Daniel, thy God will get you out of this. He will do this. I can't, but your God will. Daniel gets thrown into a tomb or a pit with a bunch of lions. And, oh man, 
You go over to, stay right where you're at. Oh, this is a great book, man. I've heard people say, well, I read Proverbs and Psalms, and they make no sense to me. <laughs> well, most of them don't make no sense to me either, but every now and then one does. Psalm 22. He says, many bulls have compassed me. They gape upon me. They, I, I am poured out like water. My strength for dogs have compassed me. Uh, they pierce my hands and my feet. I mean, tell all my bones they stare at me. Uh, they part my garments among them. I'm telling you what, when the Lord went down to a place called hell, when they hung him on a cross before he did that, it's listed in Psalms exactly what happened to him all the way through that thing. And when he gets down to it, lions were on him, dogs were on him, uh, maggots were on him, everything was on him, and Daniel was sitting there getting thrown into a lion's den. And they put, they put a stone across the top and then they seal it. When Jesus come down off that cross and they took him out to the, the tomb, they put him in that tomb and they rolled that stone across it and they sealed it. And they put a signet, seal on that thing so nobody could get into it. Daniel was thrown down in there. There's a picture out there in the 16th century they drew of, of some Syrian lions. I mean, these are man-eating, monster-looking lions, teeth about this long, and he just, ah. And they showed Daniel sitting there like, ooh, and I mean, it's the coolest picture in the whole wide world, man. This thing was in king's palaces over in Europe since 1600s. This picture, I mean, it was just sitting there, and Daniel was just sitting there. I mean, Daniel looked like a man, too, man. I mean, his muscle looked like, he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if Daniel actually looked like 80 years old. <laughs> he didn't look like he was 80 years old in that picture, but, but I'm telling you, man, he, he was just sitting there, and, and it was like he wasn't afraid. These lines would have tore him up, and they all just sitting there chilling. The next morning, man, the king comes up and says, oh, Daniel. Let me get back to that. Oh, Daniel. Yeah, I lost my place. Give me a second. Then the king arose very early, verse 19. In the morning, just about done, give me a second, and went into the haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to them, he cried with a lamentable voice and unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. You know what the king knew? He knew that Daniel served God. And he knew that he done blew it, and he done spent all night telling God he blew it. And he goes, I know, I know that God can do this. Whether he will or not, I don't know. But boy, I know he can. But you know what the king wants to see? He wants to see Daniel come out of that thing. Is that God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Question. I don't know how long the hesitant. Man, if I was Daniel, I'd have just waited. I'd have let him sweat it just a little bit more. I, I just... Anybody hear anything? No? Did y'all hear anything? No. I'd just sit down there, man. I just, I wouldn't have said a word. And then after a few minutes, man, I'd have said, oh, king! <laughs> and I'd have had the lions stand on each other. And by the time they got that rock up, I'd have been standing on the top line, man, holding his mane like this. And when that rock come off, I'd stick my head up and say, how you doing, man? <laughs> it's cool. This is cool as anything. It's hard to tell what Daniel did. He said, king, live forever. I don't blame you for what happened. You know, Jesus Christ come out of the tomb and never blamed anybody for anything. What he did is he just made a way. The gospel, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Daniel was never ashamed. The perfect type of the gospel in the Old Testament is Daniel. You can't miss it. Daniel was born of a woman, just like everybody else. Daniel grew up in a world, so did the Lord, just like the Lord. Brethren, we're in a world today, we're in the generation we're in, this is where the Lord has us. You can still do great things. Daniel was a witness for God. Our Lord was more.
He never hesitated. Daniel never hesitated his whole life. Daniel was tried and tested, and so was Jesus Christ. They came up and Daniel said, you can't pray. Daniel says, I can and I will. You need to tolerate everybody. I will not. And Daniel was elevated all the way to the top. Brother, we still do great things for God. We do not have to worry about what this world says. What you got to worry about is offending the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need to worry about. You know what Daniel did? I don't think he was as worried about offending him as hurting him. Well, if you ever get to the place where you're worried about hurting him, you're someplace then. Because then your decisions will be based on what you're going to do to him that he's already done for you. And it's not just, I don't, I'm, I'm going to be a man of God. No, I love him. <laughs> he loved me because I love him because he first loved me. And he's let me see that. It took Daniel 68 years to get there. And now Daniel's there. He comes up out of that thing. The Lord didn't say, Daniel, I want you to go up there and I want you to stick your finger in the king's nose and I want you to tell him a thing or two. He doesn't do none of that stuff. He said, my God sent an angel. <laughs> he goes, oh man. The Lord says, I had a couple angels too, Daniel. <laughs> I sent you one. I sent you Michael, maybe Gabriel. One of them two will come down there. They'll, they'll sit there with the lines and they'll, they'll all have a good time, man. They'll keep you warm during the middle of the night. You won't have to worry about a thing. The Lord had a couple of angels watching over him too. Daniel had that. Daniel was tried, Jesus was tried. Daniel was placed in a pit and sealed in. So was Jesus Christ, he was sealed in. The next morning, Daniel was resurrected. So was Jesus Christ. Three days later, Jesus came out of the ground. There came to the gar a quiet garden. They came to a quiet garden early in the early morning gloom. And there in the shadow darkness, they found an empty tomb. They brought their scented spices to anoint the hallowed dead but found to their amazement a living Lord instead. Their heart was heavy laden, bowed down with deep despair, but when they lifted tear-dimmed eyes, lo, Jesus was standing there. You know what this world needs? It needs Jesus Christ. It doesn't need anything else. Nothing else has ever solved the problem and never will. If you're ever going to come out of the tomb, you're going to need Jesus Christ. If you're going to come up out of the grave, you're going to need Jesus Christ. If you're ever going to get to heaven, you're going to need Jesus Christ. Living right, doing right is not going to do it. And being able to tell everybody to live right, do right, ain't going to do it either. People are going to do what they want to do, but I tell you what, when they do what Jesus Christ tells them to do, it's a whole different world. He remained, he says, they thought all, had, all hope had ended, and they did, boy. I would have done the same thing with Calvary's dying breath. But they found a powerful Savior triumphant over death. On that wonderful resurrection morning, in the garden sweet with dew, he came from the grave of the world to save, to live and reign anew. So often in the midst of sorrow, when hope seems cold and dead, with lifted up eyes, we too may see an empty tomb instead. You know, I'll tell you what. That king, man, when he got done getting Daniel out of that hole, he said, you're never going back in that hole again. As a matter of fact, bring all them morons who put this guy in the hole, and we're going to put them in the hole. And we'll see how they do without their God. They died before they got to the bottom, every single one of them. Their wives, their children, everything they had was thrown in that pit. The king didn't play no games. Guess what? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to save. One of these days, each and every one of us is going to die. Somehow, some way. 
<clears throat> and we're going to stand before God. And there's two judgments. There's a white throne judgment and the judgment of Christ. I get to go judgment of Christ. I got out of the white throne judgment by trusting Jesus Christ. And I'm glad I did that. If you're in this room today and you're lost, man, you don't have to worry about that. You got, you got a Savior that went through the tomb and he came back up on the other side of the thing. And he's just sitting there saying, trust me. He goes, I got a servant named Daniel back there. And Daniel did the same thing and he trusted me all night long. And he come up out of that tomb and he goes, but that's as far as Daniel can go. Daniel can't do what I did for you. I died on the cross and I opened the door back to heaven. And all you got to do is trust me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shall be saved. You say, what do you believe? I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again the third day and you died for my sins. I believe they put you in a tomb and I believe you rose the third day. And I believe you're in heaven right now. And all I got to do is ask you to save my soul. And you will do it. That's, you know what that is? That's faith. You know what Daniel had? He had faith in his God. He trusted him. You know what happened to Belteshazzar? He didn't trust God. He didn't trust what he knew. He thought I could just put it off, and it cost him everything. Don't let it cost you. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Lord, Daniel was a great man. And Lord, it took him a lifetime to get to a place where you could use him. But Daniel was faithful the whole time. Shows us we can be faithful too, Lord. We can be faithful our whole lives. We don't have to. Lord, we, some of us may say, well, we've already messed up a whole lot of, of our life, Lord. Yeah, but today, today, Lord, we can start all over again. And Lord, we can go from here to the end of our lives and do the right thing. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, there's people's lives, uh, their eternities are sitting there, Lord. And they're hanging in the balance, Lord. And what they need to do is they need to see some Daniels and some Shadrachs and some Meshachs and Abednegoes. Lord, they need to see some men that will stand up. They need to see some Mordecais. Lord, and some Esthers. Lord, the Ruths. Lord, they need to see some men like Peter, James, John, and Paul. Lord, Barnabas, Lord, and Titus. They need to, we need to see some men like that, Lord, today. And women like that today, Lord. Aquila and Priscilla families, Lord, that just serve you and do the right thing always. Father, again, thank you for letting us come to church this morning. What a blessing it's been so far. And Lord, I pray for the invitation that if there's anyone lost in here, Lord, you just draw them a little bit closer. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, that you just show us that we can still serve you with all joy and happiness. And Lord, uh, this present evil world that we're in, uh, we don't have to be one bit ashamed of the gospel. There's the power. The power is in you. And Lord, we just need to tell people and, and let, them, let you deal with them the way you are. Thank you for letting us be here this morning. Uh, bless the invitation. We'll praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.